I'm reviewing here! Do, 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 do. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here, a podcast where I, Matthew Bussey, watches and reviews Sight and Sound's top greatest movies of all time. It's become a habit of me having to record these intros and like 10 seconds in, I'm like, this is so bad and crappy and not funny at all. I have to redo it. Yeah, that's that's probably the 10th time in a row that I've done it uh, on this podcast and there's many more to come. I also keep forgetting to silent, silence my phone. And my phone, if I get a text, it's the psycho scream. You know, it's the ah! like that. I won't do it for real because I'm going to, I don't want to deafen you guys. I already, I'm loud and obnoxious enough. Yeah, but like my friends are always texting me. My family's always texting me right when I start this goddamn podcast every friggin' time. <sighs> no, no, no. I'm just kidding. It's, it's not a big deal. You know, what, what are they psychic? They don't know I'm doing this. They don't know when I'm doing this. I got to get back on routine though, guys, this is so much fun, but like, I got to get back. I, 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 it's, it is, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Ta- uh, podcasting is a very taxing thing to do. Am I using that word correctly? I don't even know. Yeah. And I really got to get back into the routine of things just because the last few weeks with Aruba, with, uh, the toilet, with, you know, all that crap, it's just a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And you know, you hear those dings. Those, those are my friends texting me. God damn it. I'm just kidding. Guys, I can't get into Ted Lasso. Do you watch Ted Lasso? Do you, do you not? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Are you indifferent? Uh, I'm on season three and I don't know what's going on and it's become a show that I just have on in the background and I, I, can't, I don't really get the, the whole craze around it. I mean, I love it because it's British and I'm half British and it makes me want to go to London right now and just get drunk on beer and then regret it the next day. I mean, it's that type of show, but I don't know. It, it's just not, it doesn't stand out. It really, really doesn't. And I don't really, I can't get into it. And because of that, I'm going to start another podcast called the Ted Lasso Rewatch Pocket. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea what the hell happened in the last season. No idea. I just love Juno Temple. She's the blonde in it, and she's such an underrated actress. She's been in so many movies that people are always like, oh, who's that girl? Oh, she's so freaking good. Killer Joe. So good. Even like when she does mediocre movies like Wonder Wheel, uh, that came out in 2017. That's a Woody Allen movie right before he got canceled. You know, not the best movie, but like she is just so good in it. She she can do any role. If you don't know who she is in Ted Lasso, she's the blonde, the really, really British uh, uh, hot one. <laughs> I just have to say, I'm sorry. I'm like very attracted to Juno Temple. I think she's so hot. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I was telling someone last week, I think Ted Lasso, I watch it because it's a very cozy show. It's a show that is just so relaxing to watch. You know, even if it's on in the background, even if I'm making, you know, Iskender Kebab or uh, Fela, Fela Kofteski, they're uh, Turkish discs. Uh, Jesus Christ. Discs. Yeah, discs. Dishes. Tur- Turkish Say that 10 times really fast. Turkish, Turkish dishes, Turkish dishes, Turkish dishes, Turkish dishes, Turkish, Turkish dishes, Turkish dishes, shit. Dame Judy Dench, Dame Judy Dench, Dame Judy Dench, Dame Judy Dench, Dame Judy Dench. It's really hard. That gives me a full-on panic attack, heart attack, both at the same time. Yeah, that, when when people, like, 
you know, think up of those weird combination of, of words to say really, really fast. Oh my God, I'm getting a heart attack right now. <gasps> I'll be right back. No. Oh, no. oh God damn it. Uh, yeah, Ted Lasso though. Cozy show. I don't know if I can really get into it, but there is so much to, um, that I need to catch up on. It's positively insane. I also like, don't laugh. I'm really excited for that new Netflix show, Jewish Matchmaking. I'm actually Facebook friends with the star of it. And I actually, if you listen to her podcast that she does with um, these two other matchmakers, I actually ask them a question and I, yeah, I'm honest about dating because I'm so bad at it. I, I sent them a question in advance and they answered my question on their podcast, episode five. It's called The Yentas. Plug! That's my plug. I haven't been sponsoring anything yet because no one's gotten back to me. That's the other thing, guys. I'm really, I mean, I've been in the podcast craze for a while now, but I'm really looking for some sponsors and I'm looking for some guests. I found one... Uh, podcast that was like we're looking for guests we're a comedic duo we talk about your first time embarrassing moment when you when you were a kid and i was like oh like what are examples and it was like what was, when was the first time you pooped your pants and i was like oh well i don't mind saying it but i'm not gonna say it here because uh you know this is not called i'm reviewing poop it's called i'm reviewing here and the oh damn it i had a joke going in there but i forgot it anyway let's get to today's episode shall we today's movie is Hands down, the most epic movie I have seen so far on Sight and Sound's list. This is A Touch of Zen. Oh my god, listen to that. Did you hear that? Did you actually hear that? That that music, it just makes me like want to watch a Quentin Tarantino movie. And I, I would not be surprised if A Touch of Zen definitely influenced him and so many other directors who love martial arts, who love just kick-ass, badass action movies where people who look really, really like frail and pacifistic end up like 
karate chopping and punching people in the face and with things and oh my god it's so so cool karate and martial arts i actually forgot to double check the difference between the two of these those two things so i'm not gonna this is, i'm not gonna call this a karate movie i think karate actually is not chinese i heard that in a movie once dick 1999 kirsten dunst michelle williams it's the scene where the brother is making drugs and he goes doesn't everyone know that kung fu isn't chinese yeah so um i think that's true I think it's true. Is it true? I don't even know. Anyway, um, I could I just have to skip ahead to the trivia of this movie. Jackie Chan. This movie came out in 1972. Jackie Chan apparently is in this movie. Yeah. Say what? Say oh, 1971. I'm sorry, not 1972. Still, he uh, is uh, credited in this movie. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He's, oh my God, I'm getting everything out of order right now. He's not credited in this movie. He did actually act in it though as an extra, which is absolutely insane. And I Googled the movie and his name to see if any images could come up and I can't find it. And I'm going to have to just rewatch all three hours of this movie to see it. Yes, this is a long movie. It is three hours long. Guys, it is so entertaining. I, I kid you not. You don't have to be a film nerd. You don't have to, you know, be just a weirdo who only likes those like eclectic artsy fartsy movies. No, no, no. This is a movie for everybody. And that is what is so good about it. And I like, I want more people to see it. I want to like run down the streets and streak and yell a touch of zen you know it's like that type of movie i would i would never do that are you kidding me it is too cold outside yeah but um this movie belongs to a genre of film called wuxia w-u-x-i-a wuxia it is not wuxia that's what i that's how i thought you said it but wuxia is um it's a genre yeah it's basically martial arts. It, be, it it literally means martial heroes. And it is a genre of Chinese fiction. And it's be, it, it mainly focuses on martial artists in ancient China. Biggest, biggest example I can think of is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like that is the epitome of a wuxia movie. That's also the epitome of like a movie that just everybody has, has heard of or seen. Like Americans, everybody has seen the movie. I saw that movie in theaters. And I didn't want to see it because it was subtitled and I was nine. And I was like, Mom, Dad, why are you making me do this? And they were like, well, you don't even, you can't like even read. It doesn't even matter. Just go watch it. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I actually followed the movie very, very well. And I was friggin' blown away. That movie, guys. <sighs> wow. And Michelle Yeoh. And Chow Yun-Fat. And Zhang Ji, I think that's how you say her name. Oh my god, that movie is a friggin' classic. Well, A Touch of Zen, um, it's just one of many wuxia movies, one of many wuxia stories. And wuxia was not just movies, too. You know, th there's there are comic books, there are operas, uh, so many things in popular Chinese culture that are, uh, you know, wuxia, I guess. I just also love saying that word, wuxia, wuxia. I'm, I'm going to make that my new AIM name. <laughs> AIM. Remember AIM? What a train wreck that was. I have no good memories of AIM. My second AIM name was MR Bus because my middle name is Bus. Uh, my middle name is Ryan. M R B U S S. But then everyone thought that I changed it to Mr. Bus when really it was just meant to be pronounced as MR Bus. It was so stupid. 
And then my fourth username was KrugerBoy84 because I really liked Freddy Krueger. <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, anyway, there's no AIM and A Touch of Zen. This is a movie. This is the second movie I've watched where the director's first name is King. Yeah. Now, King, uh, in this case, though, I think is a very popular Chinese uh, uh, first name. This director's name is King Hu. Uh, H.U. He lived uh, to be 64 years old. I don't know any of his other movies, but he was a really big uh, person in Taiwanese cinema, uh, cinema from Taiwan. I, I Obviously, that makes sense. I just needed to say Taiwanese because that looks like such a fun word to say. But yeah, he was really big. This movie was very, very popular uh, when it came out. And of course, it's one of those movies where all these years later, people are like, yeah, wasn't that good? It is amazing. It is a movie that I expect it to be one thing. I expected it to go down one direction in, in terms of the plot, which I'll get into, and it doesn't. It, it, overall, this is just a fun movie about really badass, good people, you know, fighting against bad people in really cool, you know, medieval Chinese outfits in an incredible setting with absolutely, in, I keep saying incredible, with absolutely, like, balls-to-the-wall, amazing, jaw-dropping martial arts choreography. Yeah. It, it's just, it's great. So, so this movie, yeah, it came out in 1971, as I said. It takes place in 14th century CE Ming China. So it's set, you know, in the gorgeous mountains. Uh, this, there's this mountain village. The art direction in this movie, the production design, whatever you want to call it, is absolutely spectacular. I mean, kudos to, um, you know, everyone who put this movie together. Cinematography as well, I just also have to um, say is absolutely brilliant. It was by someone named Hua Hui Jing. I think it's how you pronounce their name. I mean, the first shot in this movie is a spider web, and it looks like dragonflies are going into the spider web by accident, unless they're, they want to die. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, you know, dragonflies have feelings too. Yeah, but, you know, there's like this really kind of creepy but unsettling and, and, uh, and, and, just cool shot of these, you know, dragonflies like spinning in these webs trying to get free and they can't. And I think it's definitely a metaphor for the movie. Uh, if I remember it by the time I'm finished talking about this, I'll go back and see if, you know, there's a correlation. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Like I said, Ming China, 14th century CE, there's this village. The village is called uh, Jing Lu Fort. Uh, or Jing, J-I-N-G. Apologies if I pronounce anything wrong. Please don't cancel me. I'm sorry. I really did do my best to uh, remember all the names in this movie and how they are pronounced. But if I screw up, please, it's not intentional. So the lead in this movie, uh, he is played by this actor named Shi... Oh, God. Shi Shun. S-H-I-H space C-H-U-N. Um, and he plays Gu, G-U. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Gu is like an everyman, everyday man slash, you know, underdog kind of character. You know, he's one of those like adorable little b 
babies that you just want to like put in a put in shuffle in your knapsack and and walk around with around in the city. You know, he's that type of guy. He, uh, but you know, there would be air in the knapsack so that he could breathe, of course, you know, but yeah, he is this, you know, young looking guy, but, uh, he's not a fighter. He hasn't joined, you know, civil services or anything. He's like in his early thirties and he still lives with his mom. He is a scholar. He's really into education. And he also just paints on the side. He'll go into town and paint people, you know, uh, you know, villagers walking by who just want to get their face painted kind of like at Disney world, you know, but he makes these nuts over the top paintings. Have you guys ever gotten those done before? I did that once. And it was, uh, like, <laughs> I never knew if I like, should we like be offended when they do that? Like, you know, like at Disney world and those parks when they're like, I'll draw you and they draw you. And then your face, you look like a Tim Burton character. It's like, you know, like you're, it's like you on like ketamine. Like that's what it looks like. It's insane. But uh, Gu does not do that. He is much nicer. And he's very well, uh, you know, meaning. And he's very endearing. He wants to get a, a fall in love. He wants to get married. But, you know, he is a pacifist. He doesn't believe in fighting. He doesn't want to take the civil service exam. And, you know, his mom, of course, is just typical mom. You got to grow up. You got to go and fight. You got to be like everybody else in town. You got to join the service and just make me happy. And he is just very, very, you know, obstinate. And it's just like, you know, no, I don't want to do it. I don't believe in it. So things change a little bit when this stranger comes in. We find out that his name is uh, Weyong Yan. He's played by an actor named Tian Peng. P- I don't, I'm not going to spell it out every single time. That's, that's ridiculous. Anyway, he is this kind of mysterious guy. He's a little intimidating. He is just walking around town and he asks, uh, Gu if he can get, um, you know, his painting done. And, you know, he's a little weird. He doesn't really smile. He wears a big hat that's always down. Like he doesn't really want to show his true face. And Gu is a little bit like, uh, all right, you're kind of weird, but I don't know. Maybe you're just having a bad day. Maybe, you know, you know, you got some diarrhea or whatever. No big deal. We all get it. Uh, it's Ming China, 14th century. You know, you got to remember back in the day, uh, there was danger in like every corner. So, you know, if people had a right, people had a right to be kind of a little intimidating and, and in a bad mood. No biggie. Uh I got so sidetracked by diarrhea because that was completely unnecessary for me to say. But anyway, yeah, Weyong is uh, a little mysterious. Another character comes into play, and her name is Yang, Y-A-N-G. Yang is played by this incredible, incredibly done by, uh, uh, okay, I'm going to try it again, Su Feng, H-S-U-F-E-N-G. She's still alive. She was like 20 in this movie, I think, or even younger absolutely badass uh he meets her and she's very pretty and just incredible but you know is also really independent and has a lot of self-worth and isn't looking to like go and get married you know she's not looking to be like a bride or a you know a bride and not do anything she's tough she's a tough cookie you know and there's kind of an immediate attraction from goo towards her i think goo is just very uh I really hope I'm saying Goo right because I keep thinking of G-O-O Goo or like Mr. Magoo. Goo is like really attracted to her, obviously, but, you know, Goo's probably most definitely a virgin and like, you know, doesn't really know what to do. So, and he's also really kind of, he he's, she's so mysterious, this woman, you know, she's that woman who like 
hides in the shadows at night and hides in the bushes at night and, you know, will, like, run off when he's, you know, trying to find her, basically. So she's she's kind of, yeah, some, some, some weird people are coming into this town and you don't really know what's going on. Uh, Yang and Gu... Gu kind of, you know, courts her a lot. And Yang is, this is kind of the interesting thing about the movie. I expected this movie to go down that route and become like a romance, you know, really become a big romance about them. And Yang is going to end up kind of protecting him. And it's going to be a really badass feminist movie, but it's going to overall be a romance. This isn't really a romance. Yang isn't really totally attracted to Gu, I think. Uh, they... You know, there's this great sequence where, uh, you know, the music in this movie, too, is so good, as you heard in the trailer. They, you know, meet, Goo kind of follows her into this uh, this home, and, and they stare at each other, and they just hug and embrace. And it cuts to the next scene, and, like, they're fully clothed, but it's pretty evident that they, you know, boinked. And, you know, uh, Goo is a little bit naive, and I think Goo kind of immediately thinks, okay, great, well, we had sex, so uh, we're going to get married now, right? And Yang is just a little bit like, no, I, uh, I, I, no, I just, you know, and I think that's the thing about this movie. I think Yang is just very much like, I just had sex with you. It doesn't mean I'm going to marry you, you know? Just because I live in this culture doesn't mean I'm going to, like, follow its guidelines or anything. So that's a really, that's what I really liked about the touches in, you know, I think especially for back then for a movie to really challenge, uh, the norms of, a you know, 14th century in, in a 14th century setting of a movie, it, it's, it's really, really, uh, special. So, so when does the action kick in? Well, yeah, this is a three hour long movie. I will say it, it's got a very slow buildup, but it is totally worth it. Things get crazy pretty quickly. We eventually find out that Yong is working with the Eastern Depot, also known, also known as the East Chamber. Pardon me, because this just makes me laugh a little bit, but also it disturbs the hell out of me because this was, this was all totally real. What was the Eastern Depot? The Eastern Depot was a Ming Dynasty, uh, like secret police kind of group slash agency, whatever you want to call it. It was run by eunuchs, eunuchs, men without, you know what, men without their, you know, meat and two veggies. Yeah, eunuch. Eunuch is such an unusual word to spell, and it always looks like, and that must be such a fun word to spell in cursive. I first heard about the word eunuch in Saving Silverman, one of the best comedies ever, when Steve Zahn, Zane, however you say his name, yells at Amanda Peet, go to hell! And then Amanda Peet just yells back at him, eunuch! <laughs> I watched it with my friend and I did not know what eunuch meant. And my friend was like, oh, man, it's a man who doesn't have a dick. And I was like, oh, okay. It was high school, so we cursed a lot. Yeah, but uh, the Eastern Depot, though, it was run by eunuchs. And Wu Yang is working undercover with them because it turns out that Yang, the woman that Gu just, you know, is in love with, is a fugitive. And the reason she's a fugitive is because her father basically found out that the emperor of the East Eastern Depot, uh, Eunuch, Eunuch Wei, is his name. Truly, that's what he was referred to. This was all real. These were I don't know if these were real people, but eunuchs, yeah, that was like a common thing. And oh Jesus, huh? Oh, ow! I just like I just have a, that feeling 
in my head right now of how they did that procedure. But, oh, God, you don't see any eunuch uh, procedures in this movie. Don't worry. Eunuch Wei was basically very corrupt, and Yang's father spoke against it, and he basically paid the price for it. Uh, there, we, we kind of also find out that there was a monk, a very sweet, good old monk. I mean, is there ever a bad monk? Well, actually, yeah, that's kind of true. I mean, there, yeah, there was a movie. There was a documentary. Oh, no, that wasn't a monk. Yeah, that was a yoga instructor. Oh, I'm getting them mixed up. Anyway, uh, <laughs> totally different things. There was a monk named uh, Abbot Hui Wan who, uh, you know, was kind of like a second father to Yang, and he protected her, and she's on the run. So he meets uh, some other characters come in, but the fighting ensues. You know, they find out, they find Yang, We Yang and Yang start fighting, and We Yang's other people who work for the Eastern Depot, they start fighting uh, Yang as well. Yang has some other people, though. So, you know, there's another character named General Shi Wen Chao, who is disguising as a blind person, and he is, you know, actually one of her fellas, <laughs> one of her men, you know, one of her friends. Not fellas, that implies lovers. Lover. Uh, no, he's just one of the goodies, as we call it, and uh, he helps her. There's also General Lu Ding An, who is also in a, you know, in on it. So there's a lot of people that are on her side. And Gu kind of goes up and follows Yang and everybody else because he, he, he wants to, he likes her a lot, but he also is, is growing a little bit more as a man in a way, you know, he doesn't fight in this movie too. That's the thing. Gu never fights once does not lift up a sword once. He still is very much a pacifist. And, like, there's this crazy sequence that is, like... I had to, like, rewind it to go, like, wait, huh? Where, uh, you know, the Eastern Depot uh, men, you know, the, the Eastern Depot's men, they're coming to this allegedly haunted house in the middle of the forest. And what Goo does is he sets up all of these like fake like like mannequin statues and he he creates like all these weird sound effects so then when the men come everybody all these crazy noises and things start happening and the men freak out because they think it's actually ghosts because they also believed in all that back then i mean they were very much believers in the supernatural and so they think it's ghosts and they freak out and it's like the scene after that, uh, the sequence after that is kind of bad, I have to admit, though. Goo, and this is nothing really on, well, it kind of is because he was the actor. It's nothing on uh, Shi Shun's performance, but there's the sequence after where Goo is laughing like a madman at, you know, all the 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 uh, traps that he set, knowing that it was all just a joke and the men all ran scared. When in reality, the men did not run scared. The men actually did fight. Uh, with Yang and, and, you know, all of her, I don't know what else to say, because I don't watch a lot of, um, like, martial arts movies. Companions? That's not the right word. They actually got killed. Like, a lot of the people in the Eastern Depot were actually killed. So, you know, Gu is still very much, like, he doesn't really, he, 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 he's, he, I don't want to call him a coward, because he's not a coward. He's just a guy. He, he doesn't, if you were a guy back then, he didn't want to fight. It didn't make you a bad person, you know? Oh, Lord. So, anyway, 
after that happens, there's also, you know, Abbott Hui, there's another sequence I just have to point out where, you know, they run into him and there's someone from the Eastern Depot who comes and Abbott Hui is very much just like Goo. He's like, you know, you're very standard. I don't believe in violence. I don't want to fight you. Please leave. But the baddie's like, no, I don't believe you. And he starts to whack at him and, and Abbott Hui, a monk, breaks out and just starts kicking and flying over the sky, but he never kills him. Abbott Hui never kills anybody in this movie, and that's a very important thing to remember, as we'll see in the very end. But after the big, uh, you know, carnage sequence where, you know, Gu notices that, oh my god, men actually got killed, he tries to find Yang, and he finds out that she left him, and it looks like, well, obviously some months go by, and he later finds out that she's at Abbot Hui's monastery and she gave birth to a child and she became a nun, <laughs> which is nuts. This goes back to this movie not being a romance. It's not a romance. Yang didn't love Gu, at least when I was watching this movie. No, she didn't. I don't think she loved him. She friggin' left him. She didn't look after him, go find him when she found out she was pregnant. But, you know, she's not a bad person, though. She's not, like, a tramp or anything like that. No, 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 no. Young also is a good person at heart. And when Gu finds her, you know, she, she basically tells him, it wasn't meant to be, but you know what? You have a new destiny now. I want you to take our child and, and leave. And this is when I was like, oh, and this is how the movie's going to end? I, no, I want, like, more. I want more of this movie. And this is, like, two and a half hours in, too. There's already been a ton of action scenes. And I was very wrong. The movie does not end. Uh, it, it goes off with, it, it leaves with Goo and the child and they're, you know, walking in the forest, going away. And then the real villain of the movie steps into frame. Hsu, okay, Hsu Xian Chen. Hsu Xian Chen. Hsu Xian Chen. Oh, that's a cool word to say. He's like the leader of uh, Eunuch Wei's army and he's the number one, like, baddie in this movie. He's, like, the super villain. He's, like, you know in movies, like, there's always a lot of villains and a lot of action movies. There's always a lot of them, but they're not as tough as the good guys. But then there's always the main villain who's actually really tough. Like, you know in Spider-Man, when he hits Green Goblin a lot, but it doesn't really do anything. And at the very end, Green Goblin beats the living crap out of Spider-Man and that, like, abandoned building. Yeah, that scene used to kind of creep me out when I was a kid. But... That is what uh, Hsu Xianchen is like. So he finds Gu and, you know, uh, the child. And then Yang and General Xi, General Xi is still alive. They, um, he survived all of this. They go and fight uh, Xianchen and also Abbot Hui and the other monks come in. And, you know, he try Abbot Hui tries to reason with him again, like, because he's a monk. And he just tries to say, please stop all this madness. I'm not going to kill you. And Hsien Chen is a little shit. And he basically goes, yes, okay, fine. And he runs off. And then they're in like the desert or something. It's like the setting um, changes and they're out of the woods. And they see Hsien Chen and he's looking up at, he's with these two other guys. And he looks up at the monk and he goes, please forgive me. Ugh! And then he takes out his sword and he stabs Hsien Chen. Or I'm sorry, he stabs Abbot Hui in the stomach. Abbot Hui uses this like crazy like magic or something and, and kind of makes his Chen like hallucinate briefly. And his Chen, uh, you know, 
falls off a cliff and, and dies. Abbot Hui, though, we don't know if he dies. He starts to ascend this cliff, and he's bleeding like gold. It's like his blood doesn't look like blood. It looks like gold or something, which is like, what the heck is that? And it ends... It's It has one of the coolest ending shots I've ever seen in a movie. That's a big statement, but I mean, it, it ends with... He is at the top of this mountain, and, you know, the score of the movie is like, you know, it's like over the top. And Abbot Hui is sitting in front of the sun, and down, you know, below the cliff, you know, you see Gu, you see uh, Gu and his child from the forest, and you see Yang and General Shi, and they're just looking up at this monk. And the monk looks just like Buddha. Symbolism, am I right? Am I right? Yeah. And then the movie ends. Wow, a touch of zen. I mean, fantastic writing, for one thing. Uh, fantastic, incredible, badass action fight sequences. I mean, look, you can tell that these people are on wires, but at the same time, you can't. You don't see any wires in this movie. There are no visual effects in this movie. This is all real. This is all people flying well not actually flying because peter pan's not real but you know they're actually doing this and in, in you know when they were filming this it's so cool i mean the production in this movie this was filmed in 1968 it didn't come out until 71 it was a lot um and i really i found this really good quote that uh the director king who said in it where he said you know the ming dynasty it was a period when western influences first reached china and I also found this is on IMDb. He he conceived his films, not just A Touch of Zen, but his other films as critiques of the unjustified killings depicted in such Western movies, Western meaning like USA, as the James Bond film franchise, where the hero indiscriminately guns down faceless enemies. Huh. That's an interesting statement because in this movie, there's a lot of that. I feel like this movie, it, it's... It's a fun time, you know, it is, it, it's a wuxia movie, you know, of course, you just, you want to see some badass uh, kicks and karate chops and whatever. Um, oh, sorry, not karate, it's not karate, I'm sorry. Uh, you want to see that, but at the same time, uh, you know, King in this movie is very, he's very specific in that he is kind of, I think, trying to make a little bit of a statement about how fighting, you know, we don't always have to kill the people, you know, and it all comes down to the monk. I think the monk being, you know, a, a representation of the Buddha in this film is not coincidental. I mean, that final shot is not coincidental. That final shot also would be such a good Instagram picture the whole time. I was like, okay, the next time if I ever go to a cliff and it's sundown, we're going to do that. Actually, we're not going to do that because it's going to be really, really bright and I'm going to have to turn around and I don't want to go blind. But anyway... Yeah, I think that's what I really liked about A Touch of Zen, though. It's an action movie with a lot of intelligence. We get action movies all the time. Um, I'm not going to name any, but, you know, you do. we get a lot of them that aren't intelligently written. They're all the same. These stories need to get a little bit more inventive. And A Touch of Zen, from start to finish, has so many clever ideas. I forgot to mention, too, that th this uh, was written by King Hu, but it also was based on a... Oh, where are my notes? Hold on. It's a, it, it's based on a story called The Magnanimous Girl. 
And it was by, which is from an anthology called Strange Stories from a Chinese Studio, which featured 500, a little, about close to 500 stories. So yeah, The Magnanimous Girl, it was by the, an author called Pu Song Ling. And you can tell, you know, they mentioned a bunch of other movies that I hadn't heard of, but they also came out uh, in the 20th century and the 21st century as well. So wuxia movies, I want more wuxia movies to get made with no special effects. Make them like a touch of zen. Make them real. You know how Christopher Nolan like tries to not use visual effects in his movies or, or CGI, I mean? We need more movies like that. That is what makes A Touch of Zen so epic and like unforgettable. So yeah, I could not I could not uh, recommend this movie enough. I highly, highly encourage you to see it. You will not be bored at all. A Touch of Zen, where do you get it? Well, this is other further incentive. It's only available on the Criterion channel. Yeah, you can also, uh, I believe you can also just rent it like on... Okay, you can rent it on YouTube for like $2.99, but don't do that. Get the Criterion channel. To get it. It's so good. There's special, there's a uh, special effects. There's special interviews and like bonus content with this movie. Oh, also, I forgot to tell you what's the moral of the story. I always like to end every episode with this. I kind of like, I'm making that like a new thing that I always forget to do. Forget to announce what I'm going to do. What's the moral of a touch of Zen? Hmm. There are a lot of morals in this movie. If you sleep with a girl, it's great, but don't always think that she loves you because sex is sex. Uh, you know, I mean it. It is. Uh, there's that. I think another big moral of this movie is violence is not always the answer. Let's all be a little bit more like monks and just only react violently if we feel like our lives are in danger. Yeah. There's a monastery in close proximity to where I live, and I would love to go in there and tell them about this movie. Oh my god, what if we showed this movie there? That would be so cool. <gasps> oh my god. It's not like an offensive movie at all, too. It is just so offensive, meaning like, has it like, you know, are there like jokes in it that would not go well in 2023? Absolutely not. No, there's none of that. You know what I was thinking of? The What I've been thinking of a lot? The Rush Hour movies. Those, the jokes in the Rush Hour movies... That movie would get so freaking canceled if it came out this year. Twitter would go crazy. There's a line in Rush Hour 2 where Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker are fighting people in the spa. And Chris Tucker, you know, they're fighting other uh, Asian men. And Chris Tucker accidentally punches Jackie Chan. And Jackie Chan goes, Carter! And then Chris Tucker's character goes, man, y'all look alike! <sighs> um... Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy how jokes have changed. But yeah, I mean, that's just not funny at all. <laughs> you just can't say that anymore. And we should never have ever made that okay in movies. But you know what? Look, this is why we have these movement movements. And this is why we have these podcasts. And this is why we have a, a voice so we can calmly say, no, you can't make jokes like that. Anyway, I got really off topic because, oh no, there's a correlation. Jackie Chan was in this movie. If you watch this movie and you find Jackie Chan, I want you to message me right away and send me a picture. I love Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan's like one of my favorite actors. Shanghai Noon, one of my all-time favorite movies. 
Alrighty, I should wrap this up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Like I said, this is on the Criterion channel, or you can rent it on YouTube for $2.99. Touch of Zen, amazing. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to I'm reviewing here new podcasts every or new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Tell everybody about it. You can also follow me on Instagram at, at, at I'm reviewing here, and you can also follow me personally at Mabussy. And maybe you SSY. Why are you laughing? What what's so funny about that? I don't get why you're laughing. Anyway. This was fun. You guys have a very wonderful rest of the day. And uh, yeah, before you go to bed tonight, I want you to say wusha 50 times in a row because it's a cool word to say. Alrighty, that's enough. Goodbye.